Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerrell. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Our co-host is not Jesus Christ. It's a professional <laughs> film critic, Sean Patrick. Joining me as always. Uh, I could start over, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> we're just gonna. We're just gonna run with this. Time is short. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Visit us at IHateCritics.net, everyone's a critic podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is Critics Pod. Uh, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. Rate and review the show. We will read your review on the air. Please give us a five star review. If you do so, let us know on any of those social media platforms, and you will win uh, an Asian. Uh, are they horror movies or just movies? Just movies. Yeah. Well, go USA is the company behind them, and they sent uh, a nice selection. So, and we already gave one away. Yep, we gave one away already, and also we have a new one to give away this week. From uh, it says average guys, average guys with artsy tastes. That's the <laughs> headline, and it reads. <laughs> Sean and Bob are two average guys who watch movies and give their opinions on them. I have found out about many movies I wouldn't have watched without this podcast. They generally don't like movies that the average movie watcher likes. Sean has an unhealthy love for A24 movies. I don't know why I'm left out of that. but uh, <laughs> Thank you. And probably drinks his beverages with a pinky out while watching them. <laughs> Wait, do you have a camera in my house? What is going on here? <laughs> Uh, when Josh and Zach and he left Michael out, but when they make an appearance, the normal movies get their shine. <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine Zach more so than anybody. Although, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Overall, it's a good podcast, but somewhat local guys give it a listen. Also, guys, come up with an outro instead of just shutting the podcast off at the end of Flip <laughs> All right, we'll see what we can do. I remember to hit the button at the end. I, I like to just kind of end it on Sean laughing every week. <laughs> we'll see what I can come up People with. People actually asking you to edit. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have? Patreon.com slash critics pod is the best way to help support the podcast. Our T public page, if you go to IHateCritics.net, there's a T public link up in the right hand corner. Or you can go to T public and search critics pod or everyone's critic movie review podcast. Or Willem Dafoe most likely will pop up with that as well. <laughs> uh, we do record live on YouTube whenever we have time to get together. That uh, does change fairly regularly, but we will post the link on Facebook and Twitter when we go live. All right, let's jump in it. Let's share the screen. Let's pull the pictures up and get the show started. And we will start with the Nighthouse. The Night House stars Rebecca Hall as a woman whose husband has just died. Uh, she is dealing with a lot of grief and a lot of you know, mystery. She doesn't understand why her husband did it, and she's a little bit bitter about that fact. Uh, she's also finding things about him that she didn't expect. Uh, pictures of other women on his phone are certainly revealing of something, but what she's not sure. Um, this is a this is a ghost story. Uh, but it's also it's more more than that though it's it's a ghost story but it's also one that's just a movie about a woman who is dealing with a serious amount of grief and uh, 
And a lot of, you know, she's got a lot of her own baggage that she's dealing with as well. She had a near death experience as a, as a younger person, as a teenager. And that left her kind of uh, unmoored from the idea of any kind of afterlife. So finding out that there are ghosts in the world is kind of, you know, blowing her mind more than it might other people. Um, It, it's a really good performance from Rebecca Hall. And this is a really smart director, David Bruckner, who uh, has made some good movies before. Uh, this is probably his best work, I would say. He's, he continues to to get better as a director. And uh, if I'm thinking the right guy, I think I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could be thinking of the wrong director, but it, I think I'm on the right track there. Um, he, he's a, he's very good. He the, in the first moments of this movie, he he really works well with film language. He doesn't tell you that the husband is dead. He visually shows it to you, and you get signifiers of just she's dressed in black. Uh, her friend is giving her a casserole, you know, covered in uh, you know, and everybody's really sad. Like there's nobody telling you what's happened. You're just visually learning it and. You know, she's a single woman by herself, so you can assume that this this must be uh, something more than just a boyfriend. This was her husband, and it's all never she, nobody puts it in any dialogue, and I, I appreciated that. And then when they do put it into dialogue, Rebecca Hall delivers it in such a fashion that it is she's she is bitter, <laughs> and her bitterness is really a really interesting aspect of this movie and the way that she's playing both anger and grief and uh she's just one of the best actresses there is today and putting her in a movie like this is the i mean she's the best idea you could have for a movie like this i'm sure other actresses could play this but rebecca hall just has a the energy i don't know if you've ever been in a room with somebody whose mood or just their attitude or just their very presence can change the atmosphere of a room, like a room can feel colder because somebody's in it. She's that person in this movie. Like she's completely unpredictable. She's completely, she's pissed off and she's not holding back. And it it is fascinating to watch the, how uncomfortable she makes other people who are trying to be sensitive, but they don't know what to say to her. And she's not, there's no consoling her. (laughs) It's really, it's really an exciting performance. She's just so interesting and that i really like this movie i really think it's very good i think there are some aspects of it that get kind of conventional uh by the end that kind of hold it back but she's just so good that this is uh nearly a24 good <laughs> <laughs> not quite pinky off the glass but close right yeah close <laughs> <laughs> now i'm finding myself holding back on jokes that i would have made a few years ago just comparing her to my wife and the being cold and blah 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 but i feel like that's <laughs> Not appropriate anymore. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> but in all seriousness, no, this was the movie I wanted to see in the theater. I didn't get to the theater. I'm a little nervous to go. <laughs> yeah, I right understand now. that. And it's not because I'm worried about I wore a mask the whole time. <clears throat> I'm not worried about getting it so much as I'm worried about missing two weeks of work. <clears throat> Jesus. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, that's not COVID, by the way. I just have allergies and my got shit in my mouth. Uh, but you know, I don't want to miss two weeks of work and it, it's, I got the vaccine, right. so I feel good, but I'm just nervous. And then watch me go see Candyman next week. Who knows? <laughs> Total hypocrite. But if I'm going to see a movie that's like this, seeing her name on it makes me more excited about it than if it was, I don't want to say anybody else, but you know, someone from the walking dead or game of Thorn- thrones or whatever the hell it's called, or, you know, yeah. any of those 
type of people who end up in movies that are that look like they could be good or you just don't know till you see them. Right. Usually, when she's those, good in everything, everything she does. Yeah. Every she's just so smart. Iron Man, you know, Iron Man. She improved Iron Man too in the few moments that she was in that. Um, and I, I like Iron Man too, but I think you know I think a lot of people have a pretty negative opinion or negative Iron Man three. Excuse me, she's yeah, in three. I love three, but I understand why people dislike it. Yeah, um, um, but uh, you know, uh, Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. She oh, was I amazing that in that movie. movie. That yeah, she was great in that, right? Yes, and it really Vicky Garcia Barcelona. Yeah, I mean that was that Wonder Woman movie was a movie that I started to recognize her, and then it's like you go backwards. Oh, she was in this. She was in that. Yeah, and, and that Christine Chubbuck movie, fuck, that was incredible. Uh huh. But you don't see her making that many bad decisions in terms of movies, and this is where right. you get bitten by. You'll start throwing four at me in a row. Where no, she's in this, <laughs> this, and this. If Josh were here, he'd do it. Uh, but I can't. <laughs> I'll top my head. I mean, it just seems like she makes decent decisions when it comes to the movies she decides to be in, and. That alone makes me excited to see this when I get a chance to, uh, but it, I just haven't seen it yet. So I'm glad. Yeah, I'm I glad recommend it. it. It's a good flick. I'm glad to hear she's still, you know, making good movies. Uh, the protege. <laughs> the protege. <laughs> this poster is so terrible. Samuel L. Jackson's mustache in this is a, is a, quite a wonder. Uh, the protege. Stars Maggie Q as a woman who's a it was a as a child she her watched her family be slaughtered so she but she's also like an, a genius with like an eidetic memory so when she sees a guy putting together a gun she learns how to do it just by watching it and she's able to murder everybody who murdered her family uh, Samuel L. Jackson happens to find her and rescue her and uh, turn her into one of the world's greatest assassins and uh, when he seemingly is is uh hunted down himself she goes on a rampage to try and get revenge against the person who did it um this is a, this is an okay movie martin mcdonald directed it he's not a bad director he's a good action director and everybody in this movie is good Ke- michael keaton and maggie q have really terrific romantic chemistry in the few scenes where they're being romantic but they're also like very adversarial like they're on the opposite side of this so uh there's a there's a lot of spiky energy there that's pretty good uh, it's it's the conventional aspects that get kind of tiresome after a while, and Samuel L. Jackson is, is just he's kind of weird in the movie. <laughs> the way they use him is kind of odd. I don't know. There's there's good things about this. I think uh, I think we're about twenty years too late for this movie to really be something exciting. Uh, that the it just doesn't. It seems like an anachronistic sort of action movie in this day and age. I don't know how old Maggie Q is, but Michael Keaton and Samuel Jackson probably could have been in the movie. The same characters 20 years ago <laughs> would have been fine. <laughs> very, very true. And it probably would have been better. Samuel L. Jackson never said no. Because he's been in probably more movies than anybody else. It's true. This isn't bad, though. It's not. It's not a bad movie. I can't be mad at it. It's just it's it's there. It's all right. It's I would watch this before I'd watch Jungle Cruise again. <laughs> so there's that. Or Free Guy or Suicide Squad. That's fairly decent praise from from movies <laughs> these days. Yeah, right. 
it didn't make me feel like a, a desperate ennui. <laughs> so yeah. All right. I think this next one will make you feel better. Annette. Ah, Annette. <laughs> um, yes, this is going to be one of another one of those movies. Uh, I I I love this. This is uh, directed by Leos Carax, who actually we've talked about on the show before. He did a movie uh, several years ago that came, it was one of our thirty year movies called Mauvais Sang, which is a wonderful film and. Uh, this one is his first American uh, feature uh, with Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, Simon Helberg. And there's a conventional story being told, but this is also a, a musical and it's also in, in this incredibly meta thing that's going on where <laughs> we begin the movie in this most incredible way where you've got the director directing the band Sparks who wrote all the music for the movie and <laughs> just can we start and then the song it's called Can We Start? It's like, it's just, oh my God. This, like, right away, I knew, like, okay, I'm in the movie. This is, this is the movie for me. I'm, I know where I am right now. Uh, Adam Driver plays a uh, comedian, and uh, Marianne Cotillard is an opera singer, and they're both huge superstar celebrities in what they do. And uh, it's a very French idea of what a celebrity is. Because <laughs> really, cause in a, in a, maybe there's an aspect of Adam Driver's character that could succeed in this day and age, but people don't know who opera singers are in America. <laughs> maybe they do in France, but uh, we're probably not going to make an opera singer the biggest star in the world, more than likely. <laughs> they uh, fall in love and their love is very beautiful at first, and it seems uh, on the surface to be an incredible love story. But then once they have a baby, uh, things begin to change. We begin to learn things about him, the very dark and disturbing things about him and his personality. And these aspects of his personality start coming out and they're reflected in the way that really each of them kind of, uh, treat their baby. They're both loving, but at the same time, there's an aspect that has divided them now. And the baby is a literal prop. It's a literal prop. And I just, I was so floored when I saw what they were doing, this puppet baby. I was like, you know, just, I realized the, the metaphor is incredibly obvious, but, you know, it, I don't worked. Think it, it is. worked on me. Here's why I don't think it is. I've mm. read so many reviews, and I'm not <clears throat> saying you're wrong. So many reviews that literally said in it, I don't know if he had a point to it or if he just didn't want to work with kids, but it was cool anyway. <laughs> it went. Okay. So that, that happened. I read that way too many times yeah. for it to be too obvious. <laughs> Maybe I felt it was been. obvious. Maybe I it should have been more obvious. I thought that was kind of, because when, then when the baby becomes a superstar itself, it, again, it, just using it as a prop. It made These sense are like it. top critics too, like A.O. Scott and other people, like mm. big name guys that I don't, they also thought, and back to your American point with the opera singer, they kept trying to compare it to A Star Is Born and saying she was lesser than him, and then he was a bigger star and she was overshadowing her. And I'm, I'm like, and this was like There's a praise. aspects of that. But not to the extent that they were saying right. it. Because she was a big star, enough that the paparazzi would have gone nuts over him. If she wasn't mm -hmm. a star, they wouldn't have. Right. Uh, so it was just kind of like, it was kind of frustrating to read positive reviews about it that got it wrong. <laughs> or, or at least kind of were a little off. 
but anyway. that's the wonderful thing about this movie though is that yes. you can interpret it in many different ways you can see this as a hollywood satire a satire of the media you could see this as a satire of <laughs> romance in general musicals it's a it's a satire of musicals in many ways uh it's just absolutely brilliant is what it is i mean the, the visuals alone you could watch this movie with the sound off and be blown away by it just how how clever he is with the way he directs this. I mean, look, we're looking at a poster right now that is one of the greatest posters I've ever seen. It's just so remarkably beautiful. And that's just one of many that are in this movie. The way he builds these characters and tells this story with music. I mean, I've never listened to the Sparks before, Sparks Brothers. I've never... Not, nothing against it. I'd never even heard of him until the documentary came out. Right. <laughs> and I didn't get to see the documentary, so I didn't spend much time working on it. And then uh, they, I heard this, and it was like, when I wrote my review, I was listening to Sparks, and I was blown away. They're really great. And their music here is incredible from beginning to end. I was just, I was just enveloped in this movie right off the bat. And I, <laughs> that opening just blew my mind i was like this is great like just this is so different than everything else that's out there and i thought maybe that would be enough to carry it but then it just kept getting building and building and building to this final scene between adam driver and his daughter that is fucking heartbreaking it is heartbreaking and i was just I was blown away. It was Adam Driver is so incredible. I totally bought his comedy. I totally bought that being successful. I because I I remember I remember Bill Hicks very very well. And Hicks didn't do all of the big theatrics like that, but he hated his audience. <laughs> he had a lot of hatred for the people in the crowd, and they hated him right back. And you know Sam Kinison similarly oh, yeah. was a Lenny guy Bruce. Lenny Bruce you could you can tell definitely who he was pulling for, from yeah there's a lot of Bill Hicks in there oh, and yeah. I, I really loved that I'm a huge I'm a huge Hicks guy and and so that was <laughs> that was exciting to watch those those stage scenes early on are incredible that he does this lengthy bit talking about where he goes into talking about killing his wife and he hadn't we didn't we're not sure actually if she's alive at that point right. which is kind of exciting and it, we're watching that happen and the crowd is trying to interact with him like they normally do and there's this battle this energy back and forth between he and the and the crowd and the, it's just incredible what a scene and that's just one of many i mean many many incredible scenes in this incredible movie well, yeah, and some of the stand-up scenes don't even look like they're actual bits as much as he is describing what this bit would be if you weren't watching a rock opera. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And, no, it was very, I, I really, it's a very neat movie. Uh, there's a lot of style, like you were saying, and then the movie is fairly, I mean, the story itself is fairly conventional, more or less. I don't know conventional is right. We're easy to follow. Yeah. Even if, I mean, he doesn't take a rocket science like you were saying to figure some of this out, although it was kind of annoying to have watch critics kind of get stuff wrong. I did feel, and I don't know if it was just the mood I was in or the environment I was in, like it didn't, like, I, for whatever reason, I'm still not elevating it to, you know, something I'm just in love with. I like it very a lot, but mm-hmm. there, I don't know why, because why, I can't tell you what it is. There's nothing in the movie that I'm like, well, this just didn't work for me. Uh, there's just something that's keeping it from being like, this is going to be the best movie of the year and nothing's going to compete with it. It's, 
I mean, it, it, I don't even. I think it's like a step below movies like that or in that ballpark for me at least. But I it's mean, in it's in the same realm for me as as uh, the killing of two lovers and and uh, giants being lonely. It's up. It's not going to beat those. I don't think anything's going to beat those movies for me. Still. Yeah. But this one's up there. I didn't fall in love with this one, though, till the second time I saw it, because I saw it in theaters and was like, that was pretty incredible. But I need to see that again. <laughs> and then I saw it on Amazon and I was like, yeah, no, I get it now. I love the music, though. I mean, everything about it. There's nothing. I, I love the performances. I can't complain about anything. It just seemed like the total package or something like I, I feel like a movie like this. Maybe I just I want it to be Midsummer. I want something to move me like that did. And was mm-hmm. as original and creative as this was, it because it wasn't hitting that, which is a freaking high bar to hit, and it's not fair <laughs> right. to any movie. No, it's me, either me going, I don't get it, or, uh, or there's something wrong with the movie, and I, I don't have an answer for it. I just maybe it's maybe on the second viewing, it'll definitely move back up there. But I mean, it's still probably top ten, even mm-hmm. when the year's over. I bet it's hanging out in that vicinity for me. Maybe or, or the very low or at the very end, like 11, 12, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a unique, interesting film. And I think people should see, I mean, it is a rock opera a lot, pretty much. I mean, is that a good way to, it's yeah, hard to describe fair. the movie, but yeah, the, the music I, works. I think, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's incredibly divisive. Like I, I was reading some people on Twitter who are just angry watching this movie. They're just watching it pissed off. Like I, Reading one guy said I had to stop it about halfway through just to go take a walk. Like <laughs> he was just he was angry at the movie, and I don't I don't exactly know why he was angry, but I get it. This is not a movie for everybody. Oh, it's this up movie its own is- ass. Don't get me wrong; it's, <laughs> it's pretentious as fuck. But right? sometimes that and I, some that times that works for me, and sometimes it pisses me off. And this works for me. Uh, I'm part of it's because I love Adam Driver. I really like Marion Cotillard. I can't pronounce her name right. Uh, I, and I, I like you knew the Sparks name because of the documentary, but had never listened to the music. And then from mm-hmm. the first note, I was kind of in. I, I loved the sound of their music. Yeah. Uh, I didn't pick up on it being meta until. I mean, obviously, it's. I didn't know who the director was. I didn't know who the Sparks were, and I didn't. It wasn't until they really put the wigs on, and I'm like, "Oh, so now it's Adam Driver. Now he's the character, okay?" <laughs> and it, I still felt like I was a little behind the eight ball, even yeah. though that was fairly early on. Uh, but yeah, I just never knew what I was going to get, and that was pretty neat because it goes from this crazy love story for a good quarter of the movie, maybe maybe a little less, but a good portion of it, and then the kid comes, on, and it was just. I don't know. I, I like the pacing. I thought it was neat. It's long, but it's like it, it's broken up really well. I don't know. I got really, I got really worried. Uh, there's a scene where Mar- Marion Cotillard is is listening to the radio, and she hears about the that uh, Adam Driver's character has been uh, a- accused by five different women, and then it goes to a song where women are singing accusations about him. And I'm like, oh god, this isn't going to go to cancel culture, is it? Please don't do that. And it doesn't, thankfully. It doesn't let him off the hook. It actually uses that as a stepping stone to reveal more about him and more about his real nature and his his uh, self obsession and how that's you know driving them apart. And that's that was fucking amazing. I was, that was a wonderful turn. Oh yeah, yeah. It's very. I'm sure. I'm sure watching it again will help. Uh, 
because it, it's very good. I just I I feel like I should be saying this is the best thing you'll ever see. <laughs> it's that original and that cool. Uh, yeah, it's fun to look at. It's fun to listen to. I'd almost say you could watch it without the screen on, like you could watch it without the sound. <laughs> you really could. You could listen to the soundtrack of this little, and just be blown away. A little bit repetitive without the without the stuff going on in the background. I could see mm-hmm. that being annoying <laughs> to certain people. Uh, but uh, I otherwise, it's it's a pretty awesome movie, and everybody should give it. A, well, not everybody. Sure and th- there's a part of me that could be like kind of over praising this, like I'm being too effusive about it just because it's not free guy. It's not suicide. Right. Squad. I'm actually feeling things while this is happening. Well, and there's a part of me too that, and I kind of mentioned it, but I hate when people like movies just because they're weird and they don't understand them mm-hmm. and reading critics get things a little off and maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but like literally having a line in their review of, I just don't think he wanted to work with kids is, I guess it's funny, but it also, it's pretty obvious what they're going for. Yeah. And I didn't read that just once. And those kind of things piss me off. It make that's what makes me turn on movies like vanilla sky and Magnolia is the people that like them. Don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Half the time. I know you do. I know what Josh does, but I know a mm-hmm. lot of people who don't watch movies. And just think Magnolia is amazing. <laughs> And then they, I don't know. It's so this walks that fine line, but I think it succeeds uh, for me. I still feel like I'm missing something, and I feel bad about it. But I, it, it was a fun experience, and I want. I'm going to watch it again. There's part of me too that's being superior to. I love the idea that there are people who hate this movie. Yeah. I'll be honest. <laughs> like I, I really want. I just want a movie that's so different. I do at this point. I'm just so tired that really being different can kind of be enough in a way, but this isn't just different. No. This is, this, this really does connect emotionally, especially uh, Adam driver's performance and that ending is pure emotion. Yeah. That's a fantastic ending. And I can appreciate somebody hating something just cause it's like, you know what? Fuck this. And I, I get your bad day, bet whatever. I mean, we all have them, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know. It's available. I recommend watching it, especially if you listen to this podcast, unless you hate when we talk about the good movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Habit. Habit stars Bella Thorne as a uh, drug dealer who, um, well, she's not initially a drug dealer. She just gets fired from a job and decides to go into drug dealing uh, just to have something to do and make money. Uh, she ends up uh, dealing drugs with her two friends and, they end up getting robbed the following day and all the drug money is gone and it puts them into a very difficult situation. Not necessarily with the guy that got their drugs from played by Gavin Rossdale who's kind of a, a simpering former TV star who's just kind of got into drug dealing as a side um, after losing all of his money. And he's the one who's in trouble really with uh, Josie Ho's character who is uh, somebody who doesn't like to be disrespected uh, very much. It's very much a principle to her to kill people as opposed to just getting her money back. Um, This movie is really clever. It's really funny. Uh, Bella Thorne is perfectly cast in this. She's just so such a smart performance and uh, just so superior to, to everything going on around her. And I just really enjoyed the attitude and the swagger that she brings to this movie. There's not much to this. There's not much 
to this other than really attitude. But in terms of a movie that just has attitude to it, it worked on me. Uh, and uh, I, I really, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. He's kind of the perfect punk rock person for a role like this. And he's also a person I try to avoid because she's, you know, with a kid, my daughter watched her shows and now she's like <laughs> all over the place with next to no clothes on a lot of times. Not always. Yeah. Uh, but what I have seen her in, even the bad movies, she usually finds a way to stand out. And I think that's pretty cool. Uh, so I also like that they, they made use of their title here. Habit has multiple meanings. It's about because right. she has a drug habit, but she's also pretending to be a nun wearing a habit. Right. It's silly, but a lot of people don't think about, you know, like there's a very good movie that I was just talking about called The Colony, where the, the title is nonsense. It means nothing. <laughs> they at least put some thought into a title here. Right. Uh, just question. Gavin Rossdale, I thought he was really good in it, but how much I better w- would this have been if it was Nick Cage? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can't be improved by Nick Cage? Right. Uh, Gavin Rossdale did a good job. Yeah. All right. Demonic. Demonic, uh, filmed by Neil Blomkamp. Not the kind of movie you expect from Neil Blomkamp, the man who made uh, District 9, Elysium, and Chappie. Was it Chappie his? Fortunately. (laughs) Which, uh, terrible film. This is a a big step down for him. This is a very small budget, uh, a big... Not not in terms of quality, in terms of oh. just the uh no, in terms of the budget. Like in, in terms, terms of, of just necessity. The scale of this is much, much, much smaller. When you fail than what he's done. Time, when you fail it many yeah. times, you gotta <laughs> This is a very low budget movie, but I think it helped him that that if this is that low budget, because this is actually a pretty good movie. Uh Demonic stars Carly Pope as a woman named Carly who uh is uh has been running from the history of her own mother for about 20 years. Her mother became one of the most well-known murderers in the, in the country when she burned down an old folks home and murdered several other people uh, in the wake of that. And she's been running from that truth for years. She finds out through a friend that her mother is being held at this facility. This is a medical facility where they've come up with a way to access her mind that would allow somebody to go into that mind into her consciousness and speak to her. Uh, they, they couch it as the idea is that they want to send somebody in there to make sure she's okay and that she's comfortable. They can't wake her up out of this coma. She may never wake up from this coma, but they don't want to, they want to know she's not in pain. Um, they want her daughter to go in there specifically because they feel like if you send somebody in there who she knows and is perhaps comfortable with that, she won't, you know, hemorrhage and die from this. <laughs> so that's the premise. But the reality is something else because there's actually a demon inside her. And the people who are holding her are exorcists who want to scare that demon by using the thing that the demon has apparently been looking for, Carly. Clever. Uh, it re- evokes something like the cell, but actually less up its own ass, which I, I dig. It's got a very low budget aesthetic. So it's very pixelated uh, that when she goes in there, it's instead of being like that clear, perfect, you know, cell with uh, Vince Vaughn and D'Onofrio where everything was very arty and music video. Perfect. This is very low watt video game quality. And I, I liked that. 
Uh, some people have criticized that and, and they say it looks cheap. I think it's supposed to. I think that's the whole point is that it's cheap. This is a new technology. They just created it. It's very low tech, but it gets it gets what they need done. Uh, there's a lot of very typical stuff in terms of, you know, the, the jump scares and the and the horror aspects. There's a very by the numbers quality to the script. But but it's overall Neil Blomkamp is a very good director. I never said he was a bad director. I just didn't enjoy District 9. Uh, he, but he's a very talented guy. And I think the restrictions of the budget helps him in this matter. I think he's doing much more inventive stuff uh, this way. And I like Carly Pope. I think she's very effective in this role. Yeah, if you give him too much money, he just shoves it up his ass. So. <laughs> he makes chappy. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, even if District 9 was a fairly low-budget movie, and that's kind of the only one that people tend to say work anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I did not watch this one largely because two reasons, three reasons, really. One, I was like, Ooh, Neil Blomkamp. And I'm like, Oh, Chappie. <laughs> uh, two, you said if I had to choose one or the other, pick Habit over this. And I really liked Habit. I like Bella Thorne. I mean, the reason I got lost in my train is not my wife walked up here and I got all confused. Uh, but I, th- I think I've really liked Bella Thorne a lot lately. I'm kind of shocked at how good she is in things. Uh, and I feel bad even saying I'm shocked because she doesn't right. deserve that. But then, well, so much of her is, is such a brand. She's become the Bella Thorne brand in so many so ways. Where and because of yeah. that, it kind of she knows she's good at elevating whatever she does. Mm-hmm. Even if some of it's bad, she at least makes it better than it would have been. But then with this, so it was Neil Blomkamp. Uh, I want needed to see Habit, and then I had seen Clue before, but I really liked it. And then even reading you fall in love with it i was like i want to watch clued again <laughs> so <laughs> i could have skipped it and probably gotten through it yeah but i wanted to see it again so i missed demonic uh let's last movie this week uh that are new that is new reminiscence reminiscence stars hugh jackman as a uh, futuristic detective uh sometime in the relatively near future uh in miami florida he has this, uh, actually, a little bit like demonic, he has the ability to go into people's minds, sort of. Their dreams, that's their minds, yeah, it's their memory. Uh, he, he has this technology that can allow you to relive a memory, feelings, every feeling of it. Like, you could actually touch a person in your memory, and so it's very, it's very addictive. Uh, it's also very dangerous, because if you do it too many times with the same memory, you can become locked into that memory and relive it constantly and never be able to let it go um so that's that's the that's the the thing the the kickoff is that he meets this woman played by rebecca ferguson who walks into his business and uh says she lost her keys and this is a technology that would seemingly be a little bit small for that a little bit big for that small thing but it's something that they do for money so they'll you know let you look for your keys <laughs> in your memory uh but it turns out of course she's got kind of an agenda to this that becomes revealed uh throughout the movie uh this movie employs a uh, a really bad voiceover uh, narration throughout that really sinks a lot of the drama because there's a lot of Hugh Jackman telling you things at a certain point. I, I think I described it in my review is like, is the movie occasionally he'll pipe up with the narration just to remind everybody who's been on their phone for the past 10 minutes where we are now. <laughs> like that's how their narration feels. It feels like that kind of functional thing. 
Uh, I do like aspects of this. The the future Miami that they've invented for this movie, which has zero to do with anything in the plot, which is why I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with the plot, but it's very clever because this is what we're going to do. This is this movie is the exact thing we're going to do when climate change does finally hit. We're not going to try and stop climate change. We're not going to change the way the way we do things to prevent this from happening. We're going to let this happen and then try to adapt. So we're going to have boats and streets covered in water. And we're going to have the the poor are going to be drowned rats. The middle class is just going to have ankle deep wetness at all times. And the rich will be high above on dry ground. <laughs> and that's how we're going to do this. And then the, the sun would come so hot that we become a nocturnal people who only go out at night and avoid going out during the day because it's too hot. That's what we're going to do. I was impressed by that. There's a better movie in that <laughs> than this, than this attempt to make Inception into Chinatown. But I think that's neat. I mean... I I, don't, I didn't like it that much either, but I do like the idea of them not really doing anything with it other than it exists. <laughs> like, I know you could make a movie about it, but I think it's at least have it inform the story, though it has absolutely nothing to I know, do with the story. I don't know. <laughs> I, I there's part of me that likes that about it, uh, but I mean, it's the narration though is really takes me out of it. Yeah. Uh, and then you get lost in trying to think of what memories you'd want to get locked in forever. <laughs> and then you go, well, I could see that getting old after a while. <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. Just you watching Midsummer over right. and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'd be nothing sexual just watching movies. I'd want that's what I'd want. But yeah, that's reminiscence, and that inspired our classic Clute. Clute stars uh, Jane Fonda and Donald Seymour. Sutherland. Seymour. Donald Sutherland. (laughs) I thought you were making Uh, a joke. (laughs) No, I'm not sure why I said that. Um, I think it was Jane Seymour is where my brain was Uh, going for some reason. Uh, This is the story of a man who goes missing, who's the best friend of Donald Sutherland. One day he's there, and one day he's gone and nobody knows where he went and the only clue left behind are a series of disturbing letters that uh, were were sent to a call girl in new york city so she's basically the only lead that they have and she says she doesn't know who he is so the fbi is pretty much stopped at that point uh so they turn to donald sutherland who's a cop and they have him act as a private eye he goes to new york to investigate her and uh, begins to try and follow several leads to try and you know figure out what happened to this guy Tom, his best friend, and you can just forget all of that because <laughs> that's really not the point of Clute. That is so not the point. And the movie is called Clute because it's a clever name and it grabs your attention. What the fuck is Clute? <laughs> but that's just his name. That's it. That's just what Donald Sutherland's character's name is Clute. <laughs> and he's not the main character she is and i loved that i was as i was watching this movie i kept i kept being like really impressed by how alan j pacula doesn't seem to give a damn about this detective plot that's supposed to be the main thing here like he gives away the the the, the villain right away like he's, and you think maybe it's a red herring but it's it's not he just doesn't care he's 
drawn you in here to be with this character, Jane Fonda's character, and see her life and see what she's doing and, and to confront her as a human being. Uh, she's, he's taken this call girl character and made her the center of this movie. And you're forced to deal with her. You can't just go, oh, sex workers. You have to live it. You have to listen to her. You have to be there with her and treat her as a human being. And that is, I mean, in 1971, that had to be a revolutionary thing. And even today, it still feels like a revolutionary sort of thing. Uh it's really an amazing movie. And as I was watching that unfold on top of that, this is such a great looking movie. He chooses his shots so beautifully. There's a scene where she's just, she's at a modeling audition and it's just this line of women, this cattle call of women where just these awful human beings are just walking by, just saying these terrible judgmental things about them as if they're just not even human. And the scene is shot so perfectly the way the camera moves, the way it stops, the way it cuts off the heads of the people who are talking about them and tries to put you in their shoes, make you feel for them. The the motivation of that shot is perfect. But then he pulls back to this shot that's just these three paintings on the wall. They're all the same painting, but in different styles. And it's all of a woman who is like a robot or something. But it's all about, again, female beauty treated inhumanly. And it's like, wow, there's so many levels working in just this one visual. It's so great. And there's so many great scenes like that. She does a scene with, uh, I think it's Lee Strasberg, the uh, acting coach. I think his last name is Strasberg for sure. Uh, And he's one of her clients and he doesn't touch her. He doesn't have sex with her, but he, she does this monologue to him about what she did while wearing the clothes that he makes. And he's a clothier. And he's he's kind of low budget. He's kind of, he's just a Brooklyn guy, but he has these big dreams. And we watch from Donald Sullivan's perspective as this happens, and it's it places us in his context. But then we're watching the context between the two of them play out so beautifully. She is so tender and so wonderful to these people, and yet at the same time, she's fully detached from them. She has this you know, sex work is work for her, but she also is incredibly caring. And incredibly just kind in that context. It, it may just be a job for her, but she does care. Then you sit in on her with her psychiatrist and she's talking and you're again, you're confronted by her humanity, her anxieties, her fears, and you're forced to deal with her as a human. And I just, I fucking love that. So many times characters like this get tossed off in movies. They, you know, the, and, and to, to put you in a context where he's drawn you in by telling you that he's made this thriller about a missing man and the search for him. And he, then he's thrown you this curveball of like, I'm going to make you sit here and learn about this person. And you're going to have to empathize with her as a human being. Man, that was so good. So fucking good. I love this movie. And so many times they tell the, the sex worker or prostitute with a heart story, you know, yeah. and, Usually it revolves around the man leaving Las Vegas, and they're not. It's a great performances. Don't get me wrong, but there's something different here. And you mentioned it earlier, and it's hard to pull off. I think, or maybe it's maybe it's not, and they just don't do it this way. But the detached, she at times appears. I don't want to say dead inside, but it, it's a job. There's nothing, you know, mm-hmm. and when she's going through this stuff, there there's this attachment, this 
dead eyes to her that and then you go back to the humanity and i, I, I don't know it, it was just a really good balance that jane fonda figured out mm-hmm. and watching interviews with her talk about this movie and i think it's her best performance undoubtedly and she didn't want to take the movie because she was just getting into feminism and she was like well i can't play a sex worker from a feminist and it was her feminist friends who, were, who really got her into it who read the script and like what do you mean you can't do this role this isn't about you know no you got to do this role you can this is a great part you can bring something to it and she does and she hung out with sex workers and madams and pimps and to prepare for the role and i i just i think she it was the most authentic version of a character like this that I can think of, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think of other great performances that involve prostitution, which unfortunately is way too many because, you know, it's similar. To, yeah, it, it's just that's the movie we're going to give women awards for uh, Casino. And, you know, again, not a problem with those, but it's just right. It's almost a problem in and of itself that that's. <laughs> where our male minds go but that's what's so great about this movie is because it's about her and it's like the opposite of all these other movies which are still great movies but i kind of hold this higher than both of all you know the two absolutely absolutely i do too i think of pretty woman again and i hate that movie this makes me hate that movie even more because basically that movie it claims to be about pretty woman. It claims to be about Julia Roberts, but really she's just the manic pixie dream prostitute who comes in to change the life of the really super rich guy. Right. Absolutely. I didn't even go to the bad movies. I was just thinking of the good movies that had, <laughs> it's, it's always that prostitute with a heart story. And it, it's just kind of, mm. I mean, it's again, it works certain movies that it's are better than others, but this is something wholly unique and wholly original. It's kind of a bummer. It's not more well-known. I mean, it's pretty well-known, but in some ways, I think you could be mentioning it along with some of the greats of all time with the Chinatowns and the, you know, those kind of movies. The taxi it belongs drivers. there. Yeah, it's it that It belongs good. there. That is, this movie is that good. Yeah, it really is. So if Recency have- Bias has it as like one of my all-time favorite movies, honestly. Like that's how much I fell in love with this. Oh yeah, this yeah. I don't think it's recency bias at all. It's you know you got two great actors that probably definitely her best performance. And I don't. I mean, he's had a bunch too, but he's the the thing he does so well in this is that he knows what he's doing. He knows he's there to support her. He knows that his performance is a function to support what she's doing. He's enacting all of the mystery plots. Stuff specifically so that the movie can go where it wants to go with her right and I, that's so such a great performance such a smart play on his part he never overplays a second of this he doesn't beg for your attention he does exactly what he needs to do to make sure that you know the story is about her and then you've got the title again the title is so intriguing because again you don't know what that is until you watch the movie and then you realize it's just his name and he's not even the star of the movie <laughs> That's so clever. I yeah, love that. And you could sit here and look at it. I, I could see the wrong person being pissed off at that idea. But it, it, I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm with you. I believe they did it on purpose. Absolutely. And and that's 
what, 40, 50 years? Yeah, getting close to 50 years, or exactly 50. It is 50, yeah, 71. Yeah, Yeah, that's 50 years in the past, and that's how woke this movie was, which is (laughs) proof of why cancer culture is going to go away, because everything's cyclical. You have the people that are always thinking like that, and so, yeah, this movie is way, I don't want to say it's ahead of its time, it's perfect where it is, and it's one of the all-time greats, and definitely deserves to be talked about higher than it is yeah i'm putting it on that pedestal with uh casablanca and and like i mean just that level of of all-time great movies absolutely i can't believe it took me this this long to see it yeah all right 1991 this is the only one poster i've printed for 91 but (laughs) because why buy yeah, because yeah. why bother? But before we get to Barton Fang, the showdown in Little Tokyo, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, Defenseless and Dead Again. You familiar with any? I mean, I know you're familiar with them. Have you seen any of those? Yeah, I mean, I saw Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man when it came out. <laughs> I did not watch that. Is that anything to. It's utter garbage. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's product placement as characters, basically. And it's not commenting on that at all. It's really like living into it in the worst possible ways. This is around the time you couldn't advertise cigarettes anymore, so they made a movie about it. <laughs> I think it might be, because that's when Stallone signed the deal. That's about right. They had to have cigarettes in all of his movies just in the background. <laughs> and that's how he made all his money on his movies. <laughs> oh. Hey, I got a wholesome Stallone anecdote, though. Did you know he still has the turtles from Rocky? Yes, I did know that. Yeah, I, I, I liked that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Barton Fink, uh, I saw it for the first time on this podcast. We made it the classic years ago. Cowan Brothers are the best. <laughs> I don't really... Just so good. Just so smart and incredible. He's a Hollywood screenwriter who doesn't want to be a Hollywood screenwriter, who thinks he's above it all. And... Just, oh, God, it's just, this is a super intelligent movie with uh, a central performance by John Turturro that, that I don't think he's touched ever since. This is, this is the one, this is the, this is the top of the obituary for John Turturro. I mean, it should be. They're still going to say the Jesus, but. <laughs> yeah. That's too short of a performance account. <laughs> and then the thing it just started with them having an idea of John Goodman and John Turturro sitting on a bed in their underwear. That's where the idea came from. <laughs> and then they just went from there. I, they're just so good. Mm. I don't know how yeah, they, they do it. They never mess up. Perfect chemistry. Yeah. But yeah, if you haven't seen that, you, if you haven't seen any Coen Brother movie, watch them. Whatever one you're mm-hmm. missing, go see it. Yeah, get get the whole set. <laughs> there isn't a bad one in the bunch. No. All right. That is our show. Uh, before we let you go, before we play Flick Chart, I'll let you know what's coming up next week. We've got Candyman, He's All That, Family Vacation, and The Colony. Our classic is, guess which remake we're going to watch the classic of. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's, She's it's All That. not She's All That. <laughs> And is family vacation and the vacation family? No, I think calling it a vacation movie, and I don't, I, I don't know if they're just trying to get us. I to think, think the about title it. you got, I think you got the title wrong. I'm not sure what the title is, but I don't think that's it. It's not family vacation. <laughs> no, I don't think that's what it's called. Oh, 
Oh well, <laughs> it's on Hulu and John Cena's in it, so there's yeah. that. And so I, I was I went to watch it today because they sent me a screener, and then they gave me an embargo date that is the same date that the movie releases. So it's like, why are you even giving this to critics? We can't publish until the date comes out so everybody can see it. It's basically like hiding a movie from critics. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I was I was talking about that tonight on Twitter. <laughs> but the only movie from Vacation my- Friends is what it's called. Vacation Friends. Okay, either way, but they keep calling it a vacation movie, so I wasn't sure if they were pretending trying to pretend it's in the same family or not. Uh but regardless, uh in mm-hmm. 1991 only one movie came out and we're probably not going to watch it, Child's Play 3. So <laughs> uh going to be a quick one next week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's go to some flick chart here real quick. And I got Pain and Gain, 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry Men. Greed. Legally Blonde 2, Mr. Holland's Opus. Legally Blonde 2. I know that's not a popular choice, but the first one is so wonderful that it carries that one for me. And I'm not. <laughs> Mr. Holland's opus is just boring. Yeah. Deuce Bigelow, Mel Gigolo, The Golden Child. <sighs> the Golden Child. Not a good movie, but better than Deuce we'll Bigelow. Bad Eddie Murphy over <laughs> bad Adam Absolutely. crew any day. <laughs> Absolutely. Interstellar, The 13th Warrior. Interstellar. I can flip for real this time. <laughs> Where Have you even seen story? the 13th Warrior? Yeah, I read the book, too, and everything. You still <laughs> win. I was a big Michael Crichton fan until I realized he was a you know, little bit. That is quite a poster. <laughs> yes. Walking wow. tall or eyes wide shut. Uh, eyes wide shut. <laughs> wow. Hmm. Well. Let's see. I don't, hmm. don't know. That I'd I've never seen on. that poster before. I haven't either. I don't know that I'd put it on my wall either. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of cool and artsy, but at the same time, I don't know. Sorry, else? podcast folks, but <laughs> that, was, that was quite the visual. Limitless, 1408. 1408. Agreed. Limitless should have been better. Right. Vicky Cristina Barcelona, a dude wears my car. Vicky Cristina Barcelona. That'd be a fun movie to live in real life. Final Destination, Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness. Absolutely. Minority Report, The Day After Tomorrow. Minority Report, buy a lot. I hate Day After Tomorrow. Yeah. Tootsie Dune. Tootsie. No, you're kidding. Dune. (laughs) (laughs) I hate Tootsie. Do we need to get started on our Dune watching? (laughs) Probably should. What is I that? mean, if is we that? if we started this week, we might be done by the time it comes out. Yeah, no kidding. Because <laughs> those documentaries we're supposed to watch, there's <laughs> there's a lot of homework on that one. And I know it's going to land on a week where I'm busy, and it's going to piss me off. Uh, Destiny, 1921. Never heard of it. Looks, looks incredible though. Yeah, from the it looks poster. way more modern than 1921. Paranormal Activity, Scream Three. Paranormal Activity. Scream 3 is the worst Scream movie. Yes. Friday the... Nightmare on Elm Street 3. 
Dream Warriors, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. The Dukes of Hazard, Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex, that's the cartoon, I think. Oh. Never mind. The Dukes of Hazard, Invictus. Invictus. Agreed. The other guys, House on Haunted Hill. Um, House on Haunted Hill's not bad. I'll go with the other guys. Other guys I laughed great. a lot. Yeah. Oh, nope. Are you hearing music? I'm hearing music. <laughs> I hear I ACDC. Like I, I hear like, Thunderstruck, but I don't. Yeah. Where can that, I'm not sure where that could be coming from. Can you see my screen or not? Yeah, I can. You, can you uh, maybe? I, I see your screen just fine. Wait. I'm not seeing uh, his prehistoric past. I'm not seeing that chapter. Right. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Proof of Life. Robin Hood, Proof of Life is disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Should have been good. Dennis the Menace, Election. Election. Say anything, Triple X. Say anything. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about it. <laughs> Dallas Buyers Club, Martyrs. Martyrs. Absolutely. Love that movie. As do I. Machete Jumper. Um, they both suck. <laughs> you go ahead and pick. All right, I'll go with Machete because I knew it sucked. Uh, Black Panther, Kingdom of Heaven. Black Panther. Agreed. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, Part 1, The Campaign. Harry Potter. Campaign should have been funny, and it wasn't. The Karate Kid, Part 2, Kill Bill, Part 1. Kill Bill. Source Code, The Fearless Vampire Killers. I've never seen The Fearless Vampire Killers. Source Code, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Source code. Good. I don't see <laughs> I like Harry Potter, but Source Code's a hell of a movie. Flags of Our Fathers, The Pink Panther, 2006. Flags of Our Fathers. There's not much I wouldn't pick over The Pink Panther. 2012, Commando. Commando. Yeah. The Abyss, Willow Creek. I don't remember Willow Creek, but what is that? Neither do I, so we'll just pick something else. <laughs> wow, the Abyss Pet Cemetery. <laughs> the Abyss. Yeah. Bridge to Terabithia Underworld. Bridge to Terabithia. All right, Friday the 13th, Part 2, Titanic. <laughs> Titanic. You thought about it, though. <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> Cats and Dogs, Ed TV. Ed TV, both bad though. That's fine. Unforgiven Superman. Unforgiven. Yes. I got a bone to pick though with that. I know I talked about it before with that Cry Macho trailer, but I was watching it again today and I almost wrote an article about it, but I don't I don't think I have enough for a full article. But just that that awful dialogue is just so hard to listen to. And then he tops it off. He ends the trailer with that with that joke about a cock named macho like, and all the people over 70 fucking laugh their asses off. 
<laughs> happened before my screening of the protege. I still haven't seen it yet. I don't really care either. I, I mean, he's he bums me out because I liked him so much, and then I like him a little less. And I like him a little. He just keeps doing stuff to make me like him less. Then he does something good. Then he does more to make me like him less. Uh, it just kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. There's something about Mary, Book of Eli. There's something about Mary. Greed. Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason, Die Hard. Die Hard. Yeah. E.T. L.A. Confidential. L.A. Confidential. Yep. The Village, Life of Brian. Life of Brian for me. Yeah, I don't mind The Village as much as most people, but I agree. The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Max Payne. 40-Year-Old Virgin. Freddy Got Fingered, Mr. Fantastic, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Way too many Fs in these two movies. <laughs> I have to actually think about this one for a little bit. <laughs> Freddy Got Fingered is impossible to watch, but I hate Fantastic Mr. Fox because it's so far up its own ass. It's Fantastic Mr. Fox because I don't think that Tom Green is a Dadaist genius. No. I think he just was fucking around. United 93, European Vacation. United 93. Yeah. Delicatessen, Dumb and Dumber. Delicatessen. We'll have to randomly make that a, one of the movies because that's not going to pop up on Wikipedia. No. Maybe we could even watch it next week if we get too bored. Hey, I'm up, I'm up for that. <laughs> I'm up for that. I'm going to write it down just so I don't forget. Delicatessen. That's from the director of Amelie, right? I believe so, yes. D2, The Mighty Ducks, Nash Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. D2, The Mighty Ducks. I, I'm, I hate Christmas Vacation. I hate it. I walked out of it. I win this time. <laughs> <laughs> Team America World Police, War of the Worlds. It's the most awkward thing in the world for me because, like, when I go, when people start talking about Christmas vacation, somebody will inevitably say shooters full and it expects everybody to laugh. And I just have to stand there looking at them. <laughs> yeah, I do hate people. So I'll go with you on that one. 